0: Thank you for the study that we're in, Lord. I just um, thank you for the examples that you show us through Naomi and Ruth and and um, your your attributes, Lord. Your character when there's trials, Father, and how you're loving and and how you still are kind even when we don't understand, Lord. And we ask that um, that. You would use me as a vessel, Lord, for your message, for the ladies today, Lord, and um, whatever is not from you, I pray that it just falls on deaf ears, and I thank you, Lord, um, and I pray for all the ladies that weren't able to make it, Lord, keep them safe, and we thank you, Father, in your name, Jesus Christ, we pray, amen. Okay. So I really like... um, book that we're in with Kelly Minter. Um I like her stories that she starts off with and um I think she's really cute <laughs> how she shares and how um I think Julie mentioned it. It's like she was you know, gabbing, you know, or like, you know, just conversating with you. So I really like that. And um and she shares her um you know, her, from her friends and the things that she's seen and I really this is the second time I'm studying Ruth, and it's a different perspective, so I'm learning a lot. So in Ruth 1, uh, we'll start at Ruth 1, 1 through 2. Naomi loses her husband and sons. So we start off with Ruth with the tragedy. Um, you know, it's, it's the sad part about the book, book of Ruth, but we get to see later on that. Um, It does get encouraging and and we see the fruits from this trial that she's going through. Um, Verse 1, in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Mahalon and Kilion. they were Euphrates from Bethlehem Judah and they went to Moab and lived there so we see that um, here Naomi or um, her husband moves his family to um, to Moab which they are Israelites in and, and they're Euphrates in the land of Bethlehem they decide to to move to Moab and live there because of the, the famine that was going on in Bethlehem. Um, in Genesis 19, 30, you don't have to go there, but it was in the study. If you want, um, reference, reference it. I won't read it because it's pretty long. But we see that the Moabites come from Lot's firstborn daughter who slept with her own father, Lot. So that's where Moab started. From that she bore a son named Moab, which became the father of the Moabites, so we see there the Moabites are not off to you know a very a very good start you know it, it came from incense and um in deuteronomy twenty three three to six um, God is very specific about their relationship, the Moabites and the Israelites, as well as the um, lots there were two daughters that had sons from their father, which was Lot, and those, it was the Moabite, which is from the firstborn daughter, and Amo, Amoyanites, from the secondborn daughter. They became enemies of the Israelites. Um, and their descendants, God spoke and said, are, um, are not allowed to enter the assembly of God because their intentions are to curse Israel, the children, God's children. However, the Lord your God would not listen to them. I believe they were trying to curse them. And God says, I did not listen to them, but turned the curse into a blessing for Israel because the Lord loved them. And the Lord said that Israel should not seek a treaty of friendship with them as long as they lived. Now, it is said that um, Naomi's husband at the time, um, I believe, um, was not... Doing or going by god 's will by moving into the land of Moab um, they were the Israelites were meant to stay in Judah and Bethlehem as the promised land, and they moved because of necessity um, of physical necessity, which is they needed food but i don 't think that was the lord 's plan I believe the lord 's plan was for them to be obedient and stay even though there was a trial going on. So um, I'll go to Judges 3, and this one I will read. <laughs> Judges three twelve to 4, 14. Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel, getting the... Um, Momenites and Amalekites to join them. Eglon came and attacked Israel and they took possession of the city of Palms. The Israelites were subject to Eglon king of Moab for 18 years. So we see here that the land is being taken over actually by the, Moab, the Moabites because of Israel's disobedience. So God uses them um for his correction for the Israelites and then creates a famine um, because of their disobedience. Um, The Lord was clear that the Israelites were not to promote the welfare and prosperity of the Moabites. The Moabites were Israel's enemies. So that's why God allowed this famine or this trial in the land. Um, The Israelites continue to forsake our god and so the um, the famine in the land was the result of disobedience and elimelech's response to god's discipline was to walk away from god not toward him now when i first read this i can com- like i could understand why um, the leader of the home the man the dad wants to go somewhere and make sure that his family is getting fed but There was more to it. God was using it for a spiritual growth, even though they were seeking a physical growth. And sometimes, I mean, as humans, we can try to run away from that spiritual growth when it hurts. And I I speak from, you know, because I've been through it, and I don't want to deal with it because I don't want to be hurt. I don't want to go through another trial. I don't want to be sad. So it's our nature to leave and try to fix it. But sometimes when God tells us, or I feel like he puts it in my heart, he says, be still in this trial. Be Just be still. And I've learned to go to him every time. Now I'm still learning. <laughs> sometimes I want to fix it on my own. Um, but I know more and more I'm going to him and being still and resting um, Resting on the Lord and his promises, no matter what or how chaotic it is, or if it looks like it's dim, and guess what, or there's some times where we have gone through financial you know right in the eleventh hour he provides, you know and and it's it was more of a spiritual growth that he wanted to show me pray, 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 and trust in me so um and I feel like unfortunately naomi's husband chose you know not to stay in the trial though he probably knew that the israelites you know were being corrected because of their disobedience because they were worshiping false gods i mean scripture even says they were prostituting themselves i'm like i don't even know the severity but this is it's a big deal though it was huge it was a huge thing what the israelites were doing judges two um 11 through 19, explains um, that the Israelites abandoned the Lord and worshiped other gods. So they aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into, ha- into the hands of their enemies. So in his anger, he used his enemies. Again, to, um, the Lord was against Israel just as he sworn to them. he does he does warn them that he was going to do that the then uh, when they were in great distress um, then they were in great distress and they called out on the Lord and then he would appoint judges because this is the time of the judges and it was not really stable in the time of the judges Um, I think Julie shared how um, people did what they wanted around the times of the judges and Um, But God still appointed these judges, um, and he raised up these judges who saved them from their enemies. So here comes the judges. They save the Israelites, save them from their enemies, and they say, thank you, Lord. And they're thankful for what God has done because they see that God has saved them and had mercy on them because he did hear God heard their cries because they were oppressed and they were afflicted. But once that judge died or that person that came and saved them, they were back to their corrupt ways. Like the Israelites went back and refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. So I when I read that, I thought it was like a severe sin. And it just I felt like it seemed like maybe it kept getting worse and worse and worse because it, they just, you know, they just didn't just abandon the Lord. Um, we see that in God's correction. So um, we can see it as, okay, God is being mean, you know? God is being, you know, I don't understand that character of God where he's so angry, and at the same time, you know, God is angry, you know? And we are to reverence him, not like fear him, but respect him and love him like in a respect with love. And, but I believe the Israelites um, turned their back on God and for their own good, like as a protection, God came and corrected them because he loved them. And scripture says, Proverbs 3.12 says, for the Lord corrects those he loves. And he really loved the Israelites. He really loved his children. And at that time they didn't have a Bible. You know, they had his correction. They they were able to, you know, God moved, and God and they saw that. And, um, and then he brought people, and they knew God was working. They didn't have to have the Bible in front of them. They knew God was real in their lives. Um, and so he was being a loving father, as Proverbs 3.12 says, just as a father corrects a child in whom who he delights. Proverbs 5.10 says, whoever abandons the right path, will be severely disciplined. Whoever hates correction will die. And I felt like they were leading in, you know, in that pathway of death. So, and if you know anything about history and ancient civilization, it was crazy. (laughs) I mean, I just learned a little bit about ancient civilization this year because I like history. When I have time, I read it. It's like, and... It was just, you know, they really just made up their own, like whatever they thought was good and, you know, whatever they thought was right. They just, you know, did it. And then they started their own cities and they serve gods. And I'm sure people were being, you know, um, sacrificed. And here comes the Israelites and they're mingling in and they're showing their God to these false gods. So it's really interesting. So and then here, you know, when I can just imagine his children, you know, worshiping that god of, you know, the Mesopotamians or in, or right here the Moabites, that's not good. It, you know, they they're going on the pathway of death and not of life. So the, uh, let's see. Let's see. Naomi's husband. The Bible names always get to me. Elimelech. Rather than responding with faith in the character of and provision of God, Elimelech took matters in his own hands and went the way of the world. So the Lord wanted to bless them. Um, Leviticus 6, 1 through 3 says, he says, if you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands i will send you rain in its season and the ground will yield its crops and trees their fruit so he gave him this promise you know you um obey my commandments um, you follow my decrees and i will bless your land that's why he had promised to the israelites but famine came when they were disobedient and i think to myself how many times have we or you know somebody who has, um, or yourself, have found yourself standing empty-handed, feeling empty because when we were disobedient, or God called us, or we know we shouldn't have done that, or we shouldn't have said that, or whatever, um, we know what scripture says about disobedience, but what about something that he's put in your heart that he's asked you to obey, and you don't do it, and he chastens us. He corrects us. I always feel like his correction is always convicting and never condemning. Whenever you feel like, oh, that's it, I'm done, I can never do this, um, I'm such a loser, that's not, from the, that's not from the Lord, that's from the enemy. You know, God is loving, he corrects, and it might be painful, but it's, you know, heading towards um, a correction of love for, because he loves you so you can grow with him so you can trust in him, and I like those corrections, I do, now, not when I was 15, though, That's, I didn't like those corrections, That <laughs> I didn't get it, I'm like, why, why are you doing this to me, so, um, so, his chastening meant, so we can come to repentance, so we can agree with him, I'm wrong, you're right, and I feel that's the repentance, and that's what I tell my children. Are you just saying, sorry, yeah, I did wrong just to get out of not being in trouble? Or are you saying you agree with me what you did was wrong? <laughs> that's repentance. There's a difference. You know, you're, you're not just saying, I'm sorry, but you're asking to be forgiven. Will you forgive me? It's different from, from saying, I'm sorry. And know and acknowledge our need for Jesus. So then we repent, and we know we can't do it without him. Um, in our repentance, we are humbled. We know that that we can 't have the strength to either overcome the sin or even be obedient. We need him, we need the love of him. We need to understand him and and just seek him and grow in him um, and then we 're forgiven, and our hearts turn to Um, live a life of obedience through this walk that we walk through, through forgiveness and repentance, we do have a choice. Every time when we sin, we have a choice to either ask for forgiveness and realign our hearts and our lives with um, God and our ways to the Lord, or we continue on the path of disobedience that leads to hurt and sorrow. And I know by my sin and my disobedience, it could even be like, um, I'll share, I felt like the Lord was telling me, okay, you have to wake up really early. And I felt I was being led to wake up like around five or six, but I was so tired. And I knew I was being disobedient because I went back to sleep. (laughs) And he woke me up by just, I just woke up like at five and six, you know, no alarm or anything. And then I missed out. I missed out on what That time with the Lord and I needed that. And then what I did was when the kids were asleep, I went downstairs and I thought this is what I needed in the morning. Like he just called me like around that time to wake up early. Now there's times where it's okay that I do my Bible study at night, but that particular season or that time, um, I needed to be obedient. He was just calling me to be obedient and I feel like I lost. I lost um, what he was calling me to do, and I needed it for that day. Um, we can continue on the path of disobedience that leads to hurt and sorrow, and in, and in, it ends us even more emptier than we started. And then there's those other sins that I remember that really hurt me, and it could have been lying, and and those sins that really hurt, like I wasn't trusting in him um, picking the wrong friends, not obeying my parents. And I realized that I wasted my time in that disobedience. I did. In that season of disobedience, I think, I still think to myself right now, what could have happened or how much would I have grown because of it? But it's okay. The Lord uses even that, even my disobedience for his glory. He does. So the battle of the flesh is real. But when we sin and go to Him for forgiveness in our repentance, He is faithful to forgive. Luke 1-7 says, Jesus came to give His people the acknowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Ephesians 1-7, in Him we have the redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with riches of God's grace. So I can imagine how hard it was for, Um Elimelech and His intentions were to provide for His family, but that was not God's plan for him and his family. But like Kelly, the author in the book says, but it escaping to easier terrain is all too tempting when we're worry and hardship. So don't always try to get the easy way out. Um, pray, 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 you know, and and I know that when I've seen my sisters and my brothers go through trials and they're still and they're praying and I know about it and then to see what God does after because of their their obedience, I mean, it's such a testimony for me. It's actually what's made me grow because of your testimony that you have taught me, you know, from your lives and your obedience to God. And if you are in a season where you are weary and hardship right now, it could be health, family, children, whatever it is, finances, stand firm, keep your eyes on Jesus in the hard times. Obey him even when it's hard. You serve him and you are able to witness to others. You become covered in his peace and also he gets the glory. Um, 2 Corinthians 1.5. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. So we're given that promise. When we suffer and we lean on him, we will get showered with his comfort. And the book has also great ones Galatians six nine and Hebrews eleven twenty four through twenty six. To suffer does not mean you are not in God's will. Some when I was um, walking with the Lord in younger years, when I would suffer or I was going through pain, I thought like I thought like Naomi. Well, God must not love me either, or God must not care for me, or He doesn't value me, or He doesn't treasure me. But that wasn't true like I was going through that trial for a reason and um it was for his glory and he ended up just um, just making everything for his purpose and my family got to see what he did and um then I started hearing my family saying oh I'm praying you know I I want to know, I see you, I see the Lord in your life, you know, And but it was years though, it was years, it wasn't just happened in like two months or anything like that, sometimes it takes time. So, um, Ruth 1, 3 to 5, now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women and one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived three there about ten years, both Mu Mahlon and Kilian also died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Um, In the book, it says that um, to think about that, how she, we can just imagine how it would feel like if we lost our whole family. We, I mean, I couldn't even imagine, you know, losing my kids and my husband. Um, We see um, Naomi is, is left truly barren and empty. That's how she feels without her, family she's barren no kids no children no family and at her age um, Ruth 1 6 through 7 when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there with her two daughters-in-law she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah So Naomi decides to return to Bethlehem because the Lord has provided food for them. Kelly in the book points out that in both journeys, that decision, their physical circumstances, and not necessarily the God of their circumstances, dictated their decision. So they made a decision as in, well, we need to be, I mean, they're physical. They needed, yeah, they needed food to survive. But they weren't, maybe they didn't pray about it. They didn't pray. Is, is is this your will for me to go over here, to go to this land? And it didn't seem like the way things turned out, or um, how's you know how um, even how Naomi expresses it. Well, I'm going there for to get food, not because she was called to be there, because the Lord sent me. Um, but I see God not abandoning Naomi, um, even if she's in the state of her doubt and hopelessness. He is taking her back to her land where she belongs. God was pursuing her even even when her heart was cold. So he's pursuing her through food. <laughs> I mean, God uses that, right? Even when she was um, she was just in shock and her heart was cold and she was upset with God. God used her need to bring her back, not forsaking her no matter where she was in her faith. He knows our pain. He doesn't love us less when we doubt. Even in our doubts or our feelings, he never changes his love or his character. This reminded me of one of my best friends. We grew up, uh, we believed in the Lord, but she we kind of went our separate ways. And I remember sitting down with her and she goes, I don't believe in God anymore. I don't think he exists. And I told her, even when you don't have faith, even when you doubt him right now, because I felt like it was just like a stage, I felt like that's what the Lord was putting in my heart, and it did, she, she had her family, and she now thanks the Lord, and, um, but I think she was just having a, a season of doubt, or questioning, I go, he never changes, he still loves you, he's still real, he's still, even though you don't feel like he's real, he, his love for you is real, and that's all that I could, you know, tell her, it didn't, she didn't change her mind in that day, but Um, He never changes no matter how you feel. Even if you feel like you deserve what's going on, his love for you never changes. His character, his kindness, his mercy, his grace doesn't change. Um, Ruth 1 through 7. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. We see she is heading back without her husband and her sons. She, at this moment she is angry and bitter at God. Um, I thought about her, and I thought about how many people or sisters or brothers we see that are hurting, and there have been times where I have told myself, why are they always such a downer? I was like, this is the second week already. (laughs) I'm like, the second, I don't know, you know, or, and then I, you know, I'll, I feel now like I was judging them. I was judging them because they were in this state of sadness, and I didn't understand until I, you know, until I became more mature, (laughs) and I wasn't just, you know, in my young twenties. Or I didn't understand when life was awesome, or you know, or where I had seasons of awesomeness, I guess you would say, and I didn't understand my sister that was just always sad. And then as I went through my Trials and my sadness, I got to understand others, and they're being real when they're sad, and that doesn't mean that they're not a woman or man of God. They're just in that state, and as brother and sisters, we should be there for them, not judge them. And it's God is using that season, and how do we know that? Maybe my brother or sister. That was depressed, just lost a child, or just is having problems at home, or is going through cancer. I didn't know. I just judged, you know. I was so dumb. <laughs> Can I use that word? I don't know. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but I was, though. I was, and, and, um, sorry. Okay. So, um, God, um, even though knew how he, how she felt about him, and I know that God understood. If we could understand, like when someone loses their family member and they're like, "Yeah, bitter against God," I wonder how much more God understands and loves and His mercy and His grace, and He's probably not even offended. You know, He's probably like, "I totally understand, my daughter. I got this. I'm there for you. You don't understand, but I got this." And I love you. Just remember that he loves you. Even if you don't feel it, It, like our feelings are lie to us. (laughs) But his truth is that he loves us no matter where we're at. And he loved Ruth. And God was waiting for her and for Ruth and for Orpah, actually, if she wanted, if she would have had said yes. But he was waiting for all three of them in Bethlehem. Um, Verse 8, 9. Verse 8 through 9. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept out loud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. Um, Naomi desires, I feel like she she loves her daughters, her daughter-in-law. She desires that the Lord will bless them with his kindness. And so the Hebrew word in the book it says, he seed. God's love for humans and for the children of Israel. All the attributes of God love, mercy, grace, kindness, goodness, benevolence, loyalty, covenant, faithfulness. Um, Naomi was praying or blessing them that they would have that same kindness that she has with her God, like her people, the children of Israel with God that they would have that kind of kindness. It's not just, oh, that he'll be, you know, he'll just be kind. No, but that they would be saved as well, that they would walk with God's love, that they would know him too. So she's mad at God, but she knows God is real. And she still knows that God is kind because she knows she wants that for her daughters. Um. On verse 11 um, but Naomi said return home my daughters why would you come with me Um, am am I going to have any more sons and who could become your husbands return home my daughters I am too old to have another husband even if I thought there was still hope for me even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons would you wait until they grew up would you remain unmarried for them no my daughters it is more bitter for me than for you because the lord's hand has turned against me so she feels that she that the lord's hand has turned against her that um god has forsaken her that's how she feels even though it's not true um sometimes these things happen because we didn't do anything wrong we sometimes we lose people not because we're being punished but it's just life life happens and, um, and this is how she's feeling, and again, she's still a woman of God, even though she's saying, you know, he's, he's against me, um, so, but Naomi, um, so we start, we start to see that she's urging them, Naomi's urging them to go back home, um, So but they don't want to go back home and when they're saying no we want to go with you um, I feel like the ladies are saying yes to her God and no to their false gods. Um, they want to leave their false gods. They want to leave Moab. They've seen her. Um, they want to leave um, they've seen her how her love with God. Um, they've seen Jesus in her. Um, they don't want to go back to the pagan beliefs. But Naomi asked them Why would you come with me? So, and I thought about that. Why would she ask them? Why do you want to come with me? Because she's only thinking about, oh, you won't have husbands. But she's not, because of the where she's at in her state, she's not thinking of or encouraging them, yeah, come with me. Come and see what my God's going to do. He's amazing. He's powerful. But because in her state, you know, she, which is natural and God understands, um, she's just not looking at it. And sometimes when we're in our trials, we're so deep into our trial that we forget to to or remember how powerful God is. Like, I know that's how I, like in my trial, sometimes I just think about that trial. And I get so overwhelmed by it. And I forget, wait, who's God's character? Like, he has a plan. And that's hard because that's that's not natural for us. Like, we have to make that choice. Like, and put on that um and remember those promises like our armor we have to put on that armor so we weren't born with that armor like just like we weren't born with these clothes so we have to put them on and remember even in our deepest trial even our deepest hurt um at this they wept out loud again and orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye but ruth clung to her look said naomi your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods go back with her. Again, I'm like, Naomi, <laughs> you're telling them to go back to their false gods. And again, compassion makes me think, oh, yeah, she's mad at God. <laughs> but I believe the reason why they wanted to stay with her and, um, and cling to her is because during those times where she wasn't, where she's not in despair, I bet Naomi showed them God's love every single day. And again, I believe she saw Jesus in them. And they saw everything that her God did, like just like how we see each other's testimonies, you know, and I go, that's God. That's amazing. And I know Ruth and I know um, Orpah saw it. Um, but and then but Naomi decided to go back. Maybe she goes, OK, you know, she didn't want to pressure her, <laughs> her mother in law. But Ruth was strong. She stood firm. But Ruth replied, um, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you'll die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. I like how our Bible study um, explains that obedience is not just maybe one time. It could continually be a daily thing. It could be a monthly thing, a yearly thing. Um, obedience can be maybe reaching out to your neighbor. Okay, so, you know, and, it, you know, just reaching every month, even though you don't see a growth, but, you know, God is urging you to go and talk to your neighbor. It could be, um, for me, it has been forgiveness. Forgive daily, every single day, no matter how much you feel, Forgive. You know, don't yell at your children when they drive you crazy. <laughs> you know, that's a obedience. And it's hard because my flesh is strong, but I want to be where God wants me to be. And I want to be obedient and filled with His Holy Spirit. And I want to do what I know is going to, you know, that's going to bring blessing, which is obedience. Um, I love how Ruth gave a gracious, loving, but bold speech. I want to be more like that. Um, and um, one of my favorite verses is from this is, um, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. I um, It reminds me, when I read that, about how we are one in Christ's family. Um, your people are my people, and your God is my God. And she's a Moabite, and she's an Israelite. And it reminds me how um, we are all walking in different paths, just like Ruth and Naomi were. Um, They weren't agreeing. You know, Naomi was saying, go back. Ruth was saying, no. Um, And we have our own differences. We might raise our children differently. Um, Like I homeschool. Some don't homeschool. Um, But we are all built in faith. We're not built in our, um, I think about them, and they're not, they weren't built and not in nationality, right, because they had two different nationalities. But that is, doesn't matter in um, God's family. Like, I might have different cultures that I was raised on, and you might have different cultures and different environment, and we might not agree on all the things um, at the same time. And we're going to have differences, and we're going to have different point of views, but when it comes to us coming together, and having one mind with God and believe, and scripture and um, that we love each other and we know that the Lord is real, then we're one in family. And um, that's what holds us together. Um, so we might have different ways of serving our family, and that's okay. And what's awesome is when we get to know our, our differences and um, what makes us us and what how the Lord creates us. Like, we learn so much, and I'm so blessed by that because it would be weird if we all thought the same and and, and agreed with everything, you know. Oh, my favorite color is blue. Oh, mine too, okay. <laughs> well, how, you know, and sometimes I love to hear how, um, for example, with family, how you, you know, raise your children in different views, and sometimes I go home and I try it on my kids, and it doesn't work. You know, and, and even on focus on the family, I'm like, that's awesome. And I tried it and it didn't work, you know. <laughs> so God calls us to serve our families different. And um, so when we're having differences with our brother and sister, just remember what matters is Jesus. Um, Romans fifteen five, may the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ had. So that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, we shouldn't let anything that is indifferent of us divide us. Um, but what unites us is Jesus. And so, and the awesome thing too is that Ruth was a non Israelite from, from Moab and she became an ancestor of Jesus. So it's just, you know, God brings everything. God brought a Moabite woman and an israelite woman and we're going to see what god does and she knew her god was real so okay let's pray (laughs) heavenly father lord i just um thank you for everything that you do lord and i thank you for your word and i thank you that you understand us in our trials and that you love us when we're in it and when we're on that road and we don't understand what's going on we pray, Lord, that you would just continue to to give us peace and comfort, Father, and that we would remember the love that you have for us and the great God that you are, Lord. And um, we um, ask that you bless this time and our conversations together, and we thank you for this fellowship. We love you, Lord. In your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.